Hey, y'all. This is Massachusetts with Danny Podcast. We are so excited today to have two-time World Series champion, Giants first baseman Brandon Bell on the podcast. This guy has been through that Giants organization for several years, and he's only getting better with age, which is so unique and cool. And I can't wait to ask him about that, like a fine wine. 33 years old. His last two years have been the best of his career, and he was crushing it this year in terms of the home run ball. Can't wait to ask if he's got any of those up on a mantle. And just di- diving into the chemistry in this clubhouse, this seemed like these guys got along better than maybe any other squad we saw this season. So I'm sure he'll have some awesome stories for us there. I can't wait to hear about the team, how they gelled so well together because they had the old guys playing well, they had the young guys playing well, and everything seemed to be working. No one believed they could do it, but yeah. I think we're going to hear a little bit more about how the uh, all the pasta was made, so to speak, whatever that saying is. I don't remember how it goes. But the other thing I want to talk to him about, Lex, is before all of this, before he's a World Series champ, he played at Texas, he gets drafted, he played at San Jacinto Junior College, and he said in an interview that was one of the best times of his life. So I am the nerd. I want to ask him about that, too. I'm just excited to catch up with this guy. I mean, a pro's pro for sure. Yeah, plus we'll get the dirt on Buster Posey. They've been together forever. Little intel on Brandon Crawford. So let's dive right in and welcome Brandon Bell to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Hey, Brandon. Got you. How's it going? Good. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So I hope this is all right, but I'm in my truck right now. More than okay. I don't have cell phone service and my Wi-Fi is terrible at my house. I usually, for all these Zoom calls, I'm usually just in my truck somewhere. Well, we love that we can get you on camera and we love that we can get you in general just to join the podcast. So we really appreciate it. No matter where you are, this is awesome. No problem. Thank you. The office and truck combined. We love that moment. Yeah. I'm usually just at a gas station, but we're at the zoo today. I'm just chilling out in the zoo parking lot right now. What zoo are you at? Lufkin Zoo. I mean, I live in Lufkin, Texas, so there's just a local zoo around here. And we just brought my son since he was off of school today. I usually have giraffes or something like that, so... That's their favorite animal. We just don't. Yeah, we do have a giraffe here, actually. We just don't have an elephant. Giraffe's good enough for me. Mm -hmm. Probably for your son, too. He's like, what the crap is this? It's like the most bizarre animal I've ever seen in person. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brandon, we um, did an intro, so we're going to get started. Two-time World Series champion, right? When you hear that, what goes through your mind? Um, You know, I think it's something that I probably took for granted early on in my career just because everything happened so uh, it up in 2011. Um, but now looking back on it, I understand just how hard it is to not only make it to the playoffs, but, you know, to win a World Series. And um, it's something that I'll definitely cherish, you know, for my entire life because who knows if it'll happen again. I hope it does, but um, it may not. And there's been a lot of players that have never won a World Series, never made it to a World Series. So um, it's something I definitely won't take for granted again. Statistically, one of the best years of your career, 11th major league season this year. And we know you're not finished yet. I kind of love that Brandon Crawford called you guys, you know, let the old guys play, let the old guys play. And and I think that kind of resonated throughout the league and what what is the key you know obviously you know your skincare routine is great you look young you're playing youthfully but what's been the key to having the seasons that you've had and continuing to get better with age you know I think part of it's just experience um you know I would say after uh 
probably during the two, 2018 season, I really kind of started figuring some stuff out to really make a jump to be a better baseball player. Um, but then I got hurt late in the 2018 season. So I was dealing with, with injuries for, you know, about a year and a half or so. Um, and then 2020 came around. And I was kind of able to put all that together and be mostly healthy for the first time in a while. So um, on top of that, we really, really have a great group of coaches in San Francisco. And I think that that helped me tremendously. I mean, they, they really believed in what I, my approach, what my approach was at the plate. Uh, they believed in me as a ball player. So really I did, when I went out there, I didn't have to think about anything else other than playing baseball. I was just able to focus on baseball more. Um, and, I, and I think that definitely helped make me, uh, help me take that next step to get, to get better. Well, congrats to you and the squad on an amazing season. I think from afar, we all had a blast watching you guys. And there were some haters like waiting for the other shoe to drop, trying to figure out, you know, eventually the Dodgers will get to the top of the division. It's fine. The, the Giants will fall off. Did that permeate the clubhouse? Did that permeate your guys' mentality at all? Did you guys feel any of that? Or was it just like, we believe in ourselves, we're going for it? Yeah, that didn't, I, I don't think that bothered us at all. In fact, that's probably the way, like, if we could – that's probably the way we would choose it to be, to be honest with you, to be kind of the underdog in that situation. Um, you know, it's just that much more motivation. And, you know, there wasn't – it's hard to play sometimes when you have a, a huge target on your back. And I, I don't feel like we had that for most of the season. So, we kind of went under the radar, and I think we prefer it that way. Um, but there was never a time – I'm just talking about starting in the first day of spring training where we didn't think that we couldn't win the division. I mean, seriously, I don't know if that – I don't know if we could have guessed we would have 107 wins by the end of the year, but we really thought we had a good enough team to win a lot of ball games and to win the, win the division. And it really started at the top. I mean, from the front office to the coaches to the veterans down to the rookies, there was just a great culture in our clubhouse, and that really played into us winning a lot of ball games. Your whole career, you've been a giant. And there are only so many guys who get to do that. That's really hard to do. Stay with the club. That happens less and less these days. And, you know, we've seen monster examples, Derek Jeter, Cal Ripken Jr. What would it mean to you to be able to spend your entire major league career with the Giants? You know, that's definitely my preference. I mean, I, I, this is the only team I've known um, my entire career. Obviously, I've been with them for 10 plus seasons. Um, I know everybody there. I love, I really do love the organization. Um, you know, and on top of that, you know, we have a lot of guys that have left the Giants and that have been there their whole career. They left and they really couldn't wait to get back. And I've heard that multiple times that the Giants just have one of the best, if not the best organization in baseball. So um, I think sometimes the grass might seem a little greener on the other side for some people, but that's not the case for me my preference would to be to, to stay a giant for my entire career. Well, you set yourself up really well in this off season to sign a monster free agent contract and uh, our fingers are crossed for you for sure, regardless of where you end up. But yeah, being back in San Fran, I know the fan base would clamor to see that hundred percent. And you know, the fact that you've been so successful over the last two seasons is what's going to get you there. When you look at how your success has unfolded, and specifically diving deep into the numbers. Do you pay attention to those like super analytics? Like how analytical do you get? We were looking up your numbers, right? So you have a 163 weighted runs created plus over the last two years. That statistically makes you the third best hitter in baseball behind Juan Soto and Bryce Harper. Does stuff like that resonate with you? I think that's about as analytical as I get. You know, those, to me, I, I do like those numbers. I mean, <laughs> I, 
I guess I especially like the numbers that make me look good, but those are, <laughs> I, I, I do look at OPS plus weighted runs created plus stuff like that. I mean, cause that to me can, can kind of tell the whole story. And uh, when you look at it as a whole, um, you know, people at the top of the OPS plus list are typically the, you know, they, they pass the eye test for the best hitters in the league. You know, there's no, um, there's not a really a really big controversy there. So that's a, that's a, that's definitely one of the analytical numbers that I look at. Um, you know, that's, I think that's pretty cool because, you know, that's, that's really who I felt I was as a baseball player. And, uh, you know, I think before these past two seasons, you know, I had, I had a, I had a good career. I had good, you know, good seasons. I played, I was a productive baseball player, but these past two seasons are really who I believe that I was. And I, I think I can continue to do that. And I want to continue to show people that I can be one of the best in business. One of the best in the business and the captain. I think one of my favorite stories throughout the entire season was this story. But I, I think Lex and I need like the full detailed rundown of how the captaincy came to be. Okay, so I feel like if I tell this whole story, y'all are gonna think I'm a I'm kind of a weirdo, but it is just like it's just my humor, and I'm just. Anyways, I talked about myself a lot in third person this year. I was really, I was just joking. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that kind of, I don't feel like, but I, it, I really, okay. So it all started, I started calling myself daddy around my, my teammates a lot. And I did the only, I know it sounds crazy, but the only reason I did that is because I know my wife hated it and I just wanted to get on her nerves. So I kept calling, I was calling myself daddy around her and I started using it at the, at the uh, baseball field. And we kind of just ran with it because all the guys thought it was funny. And, you know, we were just having fun with it. Well, then we landed, we took a, uh, we took a flight to Chicago and we, we landed in Chicago and everybody started to stand up and I told them to sit their butt down because their captain needed to get off first and uh, totally just playing again. And uh, so they did. And, you know, we all laughed about it, whatever. It's not a big deal, but I show up to the field on Friday after an off day and Longo had put, uh, the C on my Jersey. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's funny. I'm definitely not wearing it during the game. I'll take it off before the game starts, but they all convinced me I had to keep it on there. And I think what really convinced me is I got out to the dugout with the C on my Jersey, but right before the game and Kapler said, you know, you got to keep that on your Jersey, right? Wow. Like if the manager wants me to keep it on, I'm keeping it on. Yeah. I just hope I don't talk today. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't. I got on base four times. So, you know, people thought that the C actually worked. And I'm just going to let them keep thinking that. Hey, real so quick, then, real yeah. quick, yeah. Lex. So I, I heard that daddy story. I forgot. I forgot that I had read that. And then I went on to explain to some guys on MLB Network Radio what a zaddy was. I took it one step further for you there. Yeah. I don't know if that's in your vocabulary right now, but I forgot that I had heard that story and then had to one up it. Maybe your wife yeah. would like that less or more. I'm not sure, but um, I, I had to share that. Yeah. You know, so Alex Wood started calling me Zad Zaddy. And I was like, what the heck is this guy talking? Does he know that I'm calling myself daddy and not Zaddy? <laughs> um, so I looked it up one day. I don't really remember what it was called, but yeah, it just grosses my wife out that I call myself daddy. So I just, I, if, if Zaddy is even grosser, I'll probably use that from now on. That is so good. It seems like this year, the chemistry in that clubhouse, I mean, where does it rank in terms of other team uh, chemistries from years past? 
So for me, I think it's I think it's at the top. I mean, I, I just can't. We have I've had I've been on some teams with some great chemistry. Obviously, um, I think chemistry was the number one reason why we we won World Series. You know, back in the day, and um, this one to me ranks at the top. I mean, and, and you know, you got to understand that. I think that it does it part. It's part. I think partly it's because I'm a veteran now. You know, I'm one of the I guess. You know, I'm one of the older guys in the clubhouse, so I can kind of sit back and take it all in a little bit more. When I was younger, you know, everything was moving so fast that um, it, it just became overwhelming for me. But now that I can sit back and kind of take it in, um, it seems like it's, you know, this is the best chemistry we've ever had in the clubhouse. But who knows? Um, but all I know is that I really loved playing with this, these group of guys. Um, They're the best. There's not one guy on the team that I wouldn't want in that clubhouse every single day. So. Um, we, we really did just have the best time this year. Who's a guy on the team that maybe we weren't paying enough attention to because of who they are as a person? Maybe they're hilarious in the clubhouse or they're the guy in the dugout who, you know, is blowing bubbles, but the camera never catches it. Is there someone like that that we don't know enough about? Um, you know, I feel like we got – I feel like you could say that for a lot of guys on our team because most of our guys are real, like, I, I don't know if I'd say quiet, but, you know, we're not real showy. We don't have a lot of uh, showy guys on our team. So somebody like, you know, Wilmer Flo Flores, I mean, he's just, I, you know, I didn't, he came over to our, our team a couple years ago. Did I played against him a couple times. He's an awesome dude. Donovan Solano, same way. You know, just real quiet guys that you just love having on your team. Um, you know, one, one person you might not know about is Alyssa Knack and she's not our, she's not a ball player, but she's one of our coaches. And I think she was absolutely just a pleasure to have around the clubhouse and the dugout. Um, and, and, you know, she made um, for a lot of good moments this year. And we just had a great time whenever I was down in the batting cage and uh, we were able to talk a little bit. So Danny mentioned Brandon Crawford's slogan of let the old guys play. A lot of the times when we talk to veterans in the league, they're on squads where the younger guys are kind of taking over the clubhouse. They're playing the young music. They're using the young slang. Sometimes the veterans don't even understand what's going on, but it was kind of the reverse with you guys where you had the veterans really taking over the team and putting everyone, you know, under their wing and, and leading them. So how does that change the whole vibe between, you know, you and the younger players in terms of getting along and figuring each other out? I think it worked out great. I mean, you know, we, obviously the, the old guys, we took over to the clubhouse and, just day-to-day -day operations, I guess. But um, I think it was important to us to really treat the young guys like they were a huge part of this team. You know, we needed these guys to help us win ball games. So they more, the more they felt like they were a big part of the team, the better we felt that they would perform out on the baseball field. And I really, I really think it played out that way. And, you know, I think our veteran group is not you know, just overly vocal, you know, we're just, you know, we're not going to be standing up and having meetings all the time and, and talking to guys, but a lot of us like to show them what to do when we're playing the game or when we're working out, you know, in the training, when we're in the batting cage, whatever it may be. Um, we, we really just like to show what we want to do as a giant. And I think the, the young guys were really receptive to that. Um, and they watched us all the time that you could tell they wanted to learn and they wanted to be good ball players. Um, and so we really got along. There was no like um, vibe between veterans and young guys in the clubhouse. I mean, it, we were really, we really felt like one group in there. 
And if they didn't follow, you're like, well, I'll turn this bus around. God damn it. <laughs> but, now, you're going back to Sacramento if you don't listen. No, but we did. We. I, I feel like that was kind of the theme of this season because we saw, I think, the evolution and a shift in personalities, right? And being able to really show who you are, whether it's through what you're wearing or how you're flipping your bat, you know, just trying to find ways to move the game forward, but also kind of keeping the essence of it, right? That's that's the goal of the game. It sounds like your clubhouse kind of had all of that and more. And I know we were, Lex and I were talking about this. The CBA is up December 1st, it expires. And there's a lot of decisions that need to be made. And you're a seasoned vet. You've been in the game a long time. You've seen the game change a lot. Is there one thing that that you truly really want to see changed and added to the CBA? Or are you kind of just a neutral party right now? Uh, no, I think, uh, I don't know if this is the most important thing, but I'd like to see a DH in both leagues. And I know that's not, you know, that's might not be popular, especially with uh, maybe the older baseball fans or, you know, whoever, you know, and they like to see pitchers hit. I, I don't like, uh, I, I, t- I told our pitchers, uh, it's, it's boring watching them hit um, and, you know, provide jobs too for some more hitters. I think it's just more fun baseball to watch actual hitters get out there and, and play the game. So, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definitely some good hitting pitchers out there and it is fun to watch those guys, but, but for the most part, it's not. So, um, getting hitters out there to, uh, play in every single game to take over the pitcher spot, that'd be great. And plus I've seen quite a few pitchers get hurt while they were hitting. I don't want that to happen to a guy that's on my team. I really don't want it to happen to anybody. Um, so I think the quicker that we can get them out there, out of there and not have them running bases, the better off we're going to be. What about Shohei Otani? He can do whatever he wants. I mean, I he, he should DH for himself, no doubt. So uh, I have no, like, there's no reservations there. He needs to be in every single game, pitching and hitting. I don't care what he does. He's been awesome. And your teammate, I mean, your, your former teammate, Mad Bum, too. I mean, that dude could swing it, right? Yeah, he's not going to like it that I said that. But, <laughs> you know, there's. There are a few good hitting – it's really fun to watch a pitcher that can hit well. I mean, it's it's a blast. I love watching that. And it's a different type of game when pitchers are hitting. Um, you know, you have to game plan a little bit different. But, uh, yeah, I just think overall, you know, it's just time to get hitters in there um, to hit the baseball. That's what their job is. And, like I said, it will create some more jobs for some guys to get up in the big leagues. Speaking of great hitters, how did you guys all in that lineup encourage each other – and support each other and be able to, I mean, you're the home run leader, right? You're, you're cranking them out of the ballpark each and every night. And it was pretty awesome to watch. I mean, you had one of the best months of your season, um, best months of your career this season. And, you know, statistically you turn around and you had dealt with injuries and watching you come back and come back strong and be able to perform. That's pretty incredible. So did you lean on anyone or you mentioned the coaches I know, but in terms of that lineup, how did you guys all work together? You know, I think that's that's a uh, that's a great question, first of all. But I think that's what made it so easy for me to come back was that this team really didn't rely on one guy to go out there and get the job done. I mean, it was literally a, a pass the baton, get the next guy up type of offense. And, you know, it's funny because we had a, um, an offensive meeting uh, at the end of spring training this year talking about what time, type of uh, 
team we wanted to be on offense. And, you know, I, I said, you know, we're not going to be the type of team that goes out there and hits a ton of home runs or whatever. We're going to be the, we're going to be the team that has to really pass the baton, get the next guy up. And that's how we're going to score runs. And then we go out there and set the record for most home runs in the season for the Giants franchise. So definitely wasn't expecting that, but it really played well. I mean, it doesn't matter who went down. Somebody else stepped up in their place and got the job done. Um, Lamont Wade Jr. came out of nowhere and was just an awesome, awesome ball player for us this year. Um, and you can say that about a number of guys. It's just when somebody went down, another person came up and, and stepped up in their place and got the job done. And for me, when I came back after those, those injuries, that's what made it so much easier on me. I knew that I wasn't coming back to a team that needed me to go out there and set the world on fire. I knew I just needed to go out there and be myself. Um, and if I did that, we were, I was going to, you know, come back in the lineup and, and do what I needed to do. And we were going to win ballgames. Brandon, do you have any of those home run balls, any career milestones? Do you have a trophy or any sort of mantle that you put anything on? Uh, I think they gave, him, gave me my 150th home run. Um, I got my 1,000th hit, 500th RBI. I have stuff like that. I really honestly don't care to have it. I just took it because I figured my parents would appreciate it or my my kids or my wife. Um, you know, they tried to get back the record-setting home run, uh, you know, season home run total in Colorado, and the guy wouldn't give it to them. So we don't have that. But, um, yeah, I think I, I will take whatever – they give me, but I don't typically go and ask for balls whenever I reach a milestone or anything like that. Just because I don't really care that much. Wow. Good on you. Hey, my last one for, for this part, Brandon, I, I like to give love to, to the Juco world and the Juco space. And yeah, uh, uh, you, you went to San Jacinto, you're a San Jack guy and you helped take your team to the Juco world series before you were drafted, before you went to Texas, before you were a world series star. And I, I just have to know, like, what, what was the best part of that? Because I feel like everyone who plays Juco baseball falls in love with it and is just a little bit grittier, a little bit, you know, edgier, I think than everybody else in the world. Yeah, so the best thing about Juco ball was everything. I mean, I literally, like, I absolutely loved playing junior college baseball. I was so mad when I figured out that I was going to have to go play baseball in college. I wanted to get drafted and, and just go play pro ball right away. So mad that I had to go to junior college. And it was literally the best year of my life. I mean, I, I couldn't have had more fun. Um, you know, I was, only, I was a couple hours away from home. Um, so I could go back and see my family whenever I needed. I, I made great friends there that I still talk to to this day. I literally had the best time. The Juco World Series is um, just something that I feel like every baseball fan should experience. I mean, like whether whether these kids are going to grow up and play in it or if they just want to go as a fan, it is one of the most fun events I've ever been a part of. And when I look back on my baseball career, to me, that was the most fun I've ever had, I think. I mean, we just had a blast. I mean, a lot of it was because, you know, we we would go play baseball two or three times a week and then we just party on the weekends and just have a <laughs> blast. But that's and that's probably it was my first time to do anything like that. So that's probably why it sticks out in my head so much. But I mean, literally could not have had more fun um, than I did when I was in junior college my first year. Oh, to be young again. <laughs> All right, Brandon, we have a spot called Rapid Fire. You know how this works. Favorite nickname, Baby Giraffe, yeah. Sparky, Bob, or maybe one that we don't know about? I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Bob. 
as my high school coach gave me that, and he still, he still calls me Bob to this day, and I, I love it. Special. Love that. Okay, best opposing player conversation that you've had at first base? When I first got up in the league and I, and I was on first base with Albert Pujols, that was like one of the coolest things I've ever done in my entire life, and I'll never forget that. Um, I like it when people get on first base and we talk about cars or fishing. Um, Nato with the Rangers this year, we played him. We talked about cars the entire time he was on first base, so I really enjoyed that one. And anytime, who was it? Uh, Rowdy Telez, he got on. He got on first. We started talking about fishing a lot. I think those are probably my favorite types of conversations. Okay, <laughs> this year's clubhouse you said was legit, maybe the best that you've been a part of. Did you guys have a team bonding moment that sticks out to you? We got together off the field quite a few times. I mean, we had a team party at the end of the year. That was really one of the highlights of my year. Just get to hang out with everybody. What could have been the last time I got to do that, you know? I mean, I didn't know if – I don't know if I'm going to be back next year or whatever, but I really wanted to get everybody together and, uh, you know, see everybody one last time off the field and just have a good time just hanging out. So we had an end-of-the-year party um, after the last game of the year. Um, that sticks out to me. Um all the uh, fantasy football drafts that stick out to me every year. Those are, those are some of the most fun meetings we have. Um, but yeah, I think just those off the field stuff that we do, that's, that's a lot of fun to me. So speaking of fantasy, what's worse, the sting of champagne in your eyes or people complaining to you about how you perform for their fantasy team? Oh yeah, that's definitely worse. Um, <laughs> I can't, I can't lose a game in fantasy or I get worn out for like the entire week by everybody in the clubhouse. So it's just worse for me than most people. So I try, like I have extra motivation to have a good team um, every year. So lately it's not been good. I have, I had some injuries, so I'm, I'm getting worn out big time right now. But like, do you hear, so that's your own fantasy team. Do you hear from friends, from fans about their fantasy team with you on it? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about that a few times. I don't like it. So I, I tell them to go shove it. I mean, I, I can't stand that, honest with you. Um, I had my own cousin say he told me he dropped me from his fantasy team because I suck. So um, that wasn't that wasn't the highlight of my year. But then I went off right after that. So I was really happy to kind of throw it in his face. <laughs> He's not invited uh, to Thanksgiving, bro. Yeah, Thanksgiving's going to be real fun. <laughs> He's not invited to my Thanksgiving. I'll never see him. <laughs> he's cut out he's cut out of the yeah. family <laughs> okay what needs more work your bat flip game or logan webb's home run trot oh that's no question it's embarrassing i would pay like i'd give a whole paycheck just to get him lessons on a, a home run trot around the, on, around the bases it is ridiculous <laughs> like it's one of the things i've ever seen my bat flip game is not good but there's nothing worse than logan webb's home run trot so good. Besides you, who on your team would you vote sexiest man alive? I mean, the easy answer would be Crawford. I don't think he's sexy, but a lot of people do. Um, Longo, Longo thinks he's really sexy. I don't think he is. Um, it's hard. It's hard to pinpoint. I think it's me. I mean, I know I can't pick myself, but I'm going to anyway. This is too good. Is this a podcast? We're just like hanging out. This I'm is so dying good. right now. Oh. <laughs> All right, Brandon, I got a trivia question for you. Who holds the sure. record for the longest at bat in MLB history? It better be me. I hope I didn't go through all that for nothing. I mean, that was a long time. That was irritating me. Like, 
if I was on defense while somebody was doing that, I'd be so pissed. Like, I can't stand that. And then I went up there and did it myself. So, But that was a lot of work. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. Do you remember how many pitches it was and how long it took? Yeah, I think it was 21 pitches and, like, I mean, it was somewhere around 15 minutes. It was a long time. It was a long, long time. It was a long time. I, I thought it was more impressive. I think that guy we faced, it was either his debut or he's a rookie. I was really impressed that he kept on throwing the ball over the plate. That <laughs> means. That, That's not easy. That's tough to do. Yeah, Jaime Barrio with the Angels, he needs some, uh, some, you know, space to earn a spot in that rotation. So he was giving it all he's got against you. <laughs> But it really got me locked in, too, so I'm, I'm appreciative of that at bat. Yeah, send him a steak, send him a thank you note, something like that. Yeah, I should. He'd probably appreciate that. Yeah. All right, last one for me. One thing only you know about Buster Posey that you are going to share with us here on the podcast. Buster's a d- man. Nobody really knows this, but he's just a terrible person. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's not. I don't know. That's. I mean – really what you see with Buster is what you get. I mean, he, he's a really private guy. Like he's, uh, he's obviously one of my good buddies because I played with him for the past 10 years, but what you see is what you get with Buster. He's private. He's not going to let, he holds, a, you know, he holds his cards close to his chest. I mean, you, you don't, you don't, it's, it's hard to kind of pick up on him. I tell I, nobody knows. I mean, everybody probably knows this, but he's a great dad. You know, he, he, he does a, he has two, two, two sets of twins um, his older ones are, I think they're around 10 years old now. And then he has some, uh, some newborns that he got that they adopted this past year. Um, and he's obviously in love with them. So it's pretty cool seeing him be a dad. Great answer. Final rapid fire. If you weren't to play for the San Francisco giants, which team would you rather play for? Um, I mean, I don't really care to be honest with you. I'd say like being back home would probably be ideal if I wasn't in San Francisco um, just because it would help my family out a lot. And then, you know, I have, um, you know, family back, back home that can come and see me play a lot and just visit. And that would be, that'd be cool. Um, you don't know, I don't know if I prefer either one of those teams in Texas over anybody else, but it's just, just, just the fact that we could go home on off days and stuff like that, that that'd be pretty cool. All right, Brandon, this has been more than entertaining this has been incredible we wrap up every podcast with an embarrassing story so anything that you can think of whether it's from this season or from your baseball career before or even from your childhood anything you got whether it's a old first date we've got some killer first date stories anything you got for us that you can totally embarrass yourself i mean the only thing that's really embarrassing to me like it's not even that embarrassing because I'm an idiot anyway, but like I, people don't know this, but I check my zipper as I'm walking up to the plate before every at bat, because I walked out one time and my zipper was down during a baseball game. It like, it scarred me like big time. I, everybody was laughing. It really scarred me for life. So now every time I'm walking up to the plate, I'm constantly, I act like I'm kind of messing with my belt a little bit, but I'm checking to make sure the zipper is at the top. So it's not like hanging down. And that's it. I mean, that's, I, I have a lot of embarrassing stories, I feel like, but that's one that sticks out in my head the most. God, that's so good. I do that sometimes. I swear I do that sometimes with my jeans. I do it with my jeans because I get nervous, but I, I think people are going to be paying extra close attention to you from now on. Oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. good. Dude, we can't thank you enough. This has seriously been an amazing 
36 minutes of our days. Seriously. Congratulations on an yeah. incredible yeah. season. Yeah. And good luck in free agency, man. We're rooting for you. Fingers crossed. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I really appreciate that.